0: Well, good morning all. Good morning. So good to see you this beautiful Labor Day weekend. Um, my name is Deb Kilsmeyer. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the membership pastor here. And we are in the last week of a series on life verses. Verses that have given you life. Either direction, maybe God used them in some special way in your life. Maybe they're the verses that you hold on to in times of darkness. Or they may have even uh, been instrumental in bringing you to Christ. Um, But I want to share with you a few of my other favorite verses before I get to my life verse. There are some incredible verses in the Bible. Here is an unlikely compliment from the Song of Solomon. Listen to this. Your hair is like a flock of goats (laughs) moving down the slopes of Gilead. And your teeth are like a flock of sheep, just shorn and coming up from the washing. Wouldn't you just love to have somebody tell you that? Okay, here's one I got during finals week. And I would encourage you, if you have a student in your life, to go ahead and share this with them at an opportune time. Ecclesiastes 12.12. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness to the flesh about Proverbs twenty seven fourteen, I am not, true confessions, not a mourning person. Some of you may not be mourning pe- people, so you'll love this. For all those who are not mourning people, hear this. Whoever blesses a neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, shall be counted as cursing. <laughs> but seriously... The verse that um, I count as one of my life verses comes from the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter and the 10th verse. Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Some Some translations say and have it abundantly or have life overflowing. It's embedded in a passage where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about who he is. He's saying that he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He's the shepherd that will bring them into pasture and show them the way to life. I'll just read to you verse 9 and 10. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Well, we've been asked as pastors um, this summer just to share how that verse has impacted our life. How God has used that in intersection with real life. Um, But we've also asked you to list your life verses up on these letters. I don't think the Song of Solomon verse is up there, but um, those of you who have a life verse, and I think most of you do, I would encourage you to share that with your family and friends. It's not just us sharing, but go ahead and share that with your family and friends because I think it'll encourage them and it'll bless you as you look back ...on how God has used that in your life. But before we begin, let's pray, shall we? Lord God, I thank you for the word and how it is living and alive... ...and how you use it to comfort and to instruct and to bring us closer to you. I pray, God, now as I share my story, that you would be glorified... ...and that you would speak your life... And your love. In Christ's name. Amen. Okay, my story is one where. I was raised in Connecticut. Uh, Both my parents were um, children of Swedish immigrants. One of my grandfathers. um, We called him Morfar. Which means mother's father in Swedish. Was an old Augustana Lutheran pastor. So my mom was a pastor's kid. And. Given this whole setup, you can imagine that we went to church every Sunday. In fact, I think we might have a picture. I was given, but um, that was back in the day. I was raised in the 1960s. Do you see this little pin It says Lutheran Sunday School on it? Okay, do you see the little number in the bottom? You could change out that number every year. <laughs> you know what that is. Okay, that means 12 years of perfect Sunday school attendance hello I could have gotten a 13 because I did kindergarten too but they didn't have 13s I don't want to take credit for that it's all my parents I went to confirmation I went to Lutheran you know (laughs) camp in the summer VBS you name it Um, but I think really my faith became my own through the ministry of young life when I was in in high school And during that time, I had some powerful spiritual, you know, encounters, I'd say, with God. Um, I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, and I even started going to a Bible study. But to be quite honest, it was a superficial kind of faith. It was like I took Jesus and sort of put him in the back pocket of my life, and I didn't really, um, there wasn't much in my life that you could tell that I was a Christian. I just kind of led my life the way I always had. Well, fast forward, I'm a sophomore in college. I'm at the University of Vermont, which is up in Burlington, Vermont, and um, I was studying in environmental studies. I wanted to work with kids in the great outdoors and Life was good. I had good friends, um, but you know what? There, I just felt like there was something missing in my life. There was a missing piece. It wasn't whole, and somehow I had kind of bought into the whole Cinderella story. And I thought, you know what's missing? It's Prince Charming. <laughs> There's a guy that's missing from my life, and. At that point, there was a song that was popular by Neil Young. It was called Heart of Gold. I don't know if any of you remember that, but um, some of the lyrics say, I've been to Hollywood, I've been to Redwood, I've crossed the ocean for a heart of gold. Um, It's such a fine line in my mind. I'm searching for a heart of gold, but I'm getting old. Well, I was only 19, but uh, (laughs) it felt like I was getting old searching for this heart of gold. Um, and I had somebody in my mind that I thought would just be great. Um, he was a guy I knew in high school, kind, gentle, cared about other people. He was humble, um, good looking, played the guitar. You know, he was just, he seemed to have a heart of gold. And amazingly, he started to ask me out. I mean, he didn't go to the same college as me and, started to ask me out, and we began to develop this relationship, and I felt like, wow, you know, fairy tales really do come true. And I was just on cloud nine until I found out he had another girl in the wings. So he had just, like, played me like a dime store fiddle. I was so disillusioned. Because it wasn't just who he—it wasn't just him. It was what he represented in my life. I um, was living on a dorm floor. Good friends ran down the dorm floor to just kind of talk to some of my friends about this. I was heartbroken, um, and they were all busy. You know, finals. They had papers. They were going away for the weekend. All this type of thing. Um, and so nobody was there for me. And at that point, I remembered something that my mom had told me when I was growing up. She said, Deb, or Debbie, is who, what they called me then. Um, if you ever find yourself in life in a place where, you know, you have no friends, nowhere to go, you're kind of lost, come home. That's what your family is for. We will always be here for you no matter what. So I was like, I'm going home. I found a ride, and I went back to my house that weekend, and basically, I sat in a chair, I so vividly remember this, in my living room, and everybody was just zooming by me. I think maybe I exchanged two sentences with my parents that entire weekend, and not only that, it was one of those weekends where my eyes were really open to how unstable and fragile my family really was. Well, I got on the midnight train back up to Burlington, Vermont, overnight train. And, you know, I felt like I had the one, two, three strike year out. Um, All the things I had put my faith and trust in that were kind of like rocks underneath my feet were just like opening like trap doors underneath me. And I felt like I was in a free fall, really. And so I remember saying, you know, Jesus, if you're there... This would be a really good time to show up. I need to find you. I need to find you. Well, I arrived um, back at my dorm building, like at about six in the morning, and I opened up those little pigeonhole bo- you know, mailboxes, and I pulled out an invitation to a study break from one of the campus ministries. I didn't even know that there was this campus ministry. I mean, that's how clueless I was. I had no idea there were campus ministries. Well, within two days, I was in the student union. I was sitting next to a, um, a person of the exact same age as I was who became a great mentor and friend to me. And she began to share with me. She said, I want to share a verse with you. It's John 10, 10. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life. And have it to the full. And then she said, why do you think, you know, we're Christians. Why do you think that most people don't experience this abundant life? And that was, I was like, yeah, good question. (laughs) And then she showed me this um, little pamphlet. And in it, there was this big circle. Okay, there was a circle. And she goes, okay, this represents your life, this circle. Um, And in the center of the circle is sort of like... um, you know, control central or, um, or you could call it the throne of your life or maybe like the driver's seat. You know, who is there? Who is that in the driver's seat of your life? And I was like, well, you know, that's me. I've got my plans, my ambitions, my dreams. I'm working my plan, making it work. And then um, in the circle, so here I was on this little, you know, throne doing it my way, (laughs) the captain of my soul, that type of thing. There was this little cross in the corner, um, which just basically represented that Jesus was in the Christian's life. And that was pretty much the way it was. Remember I said I had Jesus in my back pocket? He was in there, but just nowhere where you could really notice him. Well, she didn't say this, but in the words of Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? (laughs) for me the outside looked great the inside looked like london after a bombing raid basically it was a mess but then she said you know there's another way that you can live the christian life and again this was sort of news to me at that point she said you can put god christ through the holy spirit in the driver's seat of your life And you're obviously still in your life, you know, but it's sort of like you give God the controls and you're along for the ride. And the way that you do that, that seemed a little confusing. She said the way that you do that is you ask God for the Holy Spirit to come into your life. There's a um, verse in Luke where Jesus is talking and he says, which of you parents? If your child um, asks you for a fish, would give them a snake? Or if they asked you for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? No. And you who are unholy, if you know how to give such good gifts to, to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give you the Holy Spirit when you ask Him? So it's a matter of asking to be filled with this Holy Spirit. And you know the bombed-out landscape of my life? Well, she said that the the fruit of the Spirit, and I know we talked about this earlier this summer. There was a series on the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of living through the power of the Holy Spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That was the kind of life I wanted. And so she told me, okay, well, here's another thing. It's very good, very tangible things I could do. She said, "Um, you know, the truth is, is that we as human beings have this propensity for wanting to be in control. And it's really easy to get in the driver's seat of our life. Um, And when you find yourself doing that or, you know, doing things that you wish you hadn't done, just like we had done earlier in the service... What she talked about was spiritual breathing. Just to exhale. Um, confess all that stuff. God, I'm so sorry. You have just been, you know, shoved to the corner of my life. I've been trying to make things happen. I've given my heart to a boy, you know, instead of you. Forgive me. And then breathe in. So here's the inhale. Breathe in the spirit of life. The Holy Spirit. God's forgiveness. God's grace and his power. Well, I did that. And, you know, for about the next two weeks, I could honestly say I was hyperventilating. I mean, anytime I did anything wrong, I was like, oh, God, God." you know, you know, I was just so worried about it. But you know how I felt like I was on cloud nine when I started dating that boy? It felt like I had fallen in love when I had truly given control of my life to God and asked for the Spirit to come in, it was like I finally found that missing piece, the heart of gold. And not only that, it was a true rock. Here was one that would never fail me, that wouldn't two-time on me. This was one who was a good shepherd, who would lay down his life, that I might have life to the full. So, <clears throat> John 10.10, 10, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Now, that word for life in John 10.10, 10, well, first of all, there's more than six Greek words for life. Um, I'm going to just tell you two. One is bias. Can you say that? Bias? Yes. Bias. Okay. It's like if you transliterated it, it would be spelled B-I-O-S. Um, we get biology from that. And basically, what it means is the time of life from birth to death. So it's your physical life. You right now are alive. Your heart is beating. Your lungs are working. Um, it can also mean all the things that sustain life, like shelter or clothing or food. B.S. When you were born... And right now, you have B.S. Okay. But the verse, the word for life in this verse is Zoe. Zoe. Go ahead and say that one. Zoe. Now, hopefully you'll remember these. Um, So if you transliterate that, it's Z-O-E. That girl's name Zoe comes from that, or zoology. Quantitatively and qualitatively different than B.S. This life comes from God. It's not limited by our physical death. It's not limited by time. It's eternal and um, it's infilling. It's basically God breathed into your life. When you're born in the flesh, you're given us. When you're born of the spirit or filled of the spirit, you receive Zoe. Jesus said... I have come that you might have zoe to the full. It's marked by purpose, meaning, significance, joy, hope, and vitality. It's derived from God, but not from your external circumstances. So basically, the life that God comes bringing abundantly is not more be us. It's not more physical life. Have you heard of um, the prosperity gospel or the health and wellness gospel? I just want to bring this up because you will hear about this from other pastors. There are pastors, some on television, huge followings that preach this gospel. And basically what it is um, is that They will say God's will and desire for you is to have a life that is full of financial blessings. What you need to do is just tithe your money, preferably to the church, um, and then God will rain down blessings upon you like a hundredfold. Now, I want you to know that God does bless us. God blesses us financially and spiritually. All we have and all we are is from God. But um, I'm not sure that's what this verse is saying. Scott McKnight, who's a theologian, um, writes about the prosperity gospel, and this is what he says It reduces God to a vending machine, God. You put in faith, and out pops blessings, money, Homes, cars, beautiful spouses, clever children, good neighbors, and plus plush vacations. Can you see how that's a transactional kind of relationship rather than a love relationship? One where we surrender to God and God gives us his all. The truth of the matter is, Jesus was poor. He's the one we follow. He was homeless, he was abused, and though he was innocent, he was tortured and he was executed. The apostles, all but the Apostle John, were martyred, according to tradition, for their faith. The Apostle Paul, who had all kinds of credentials and status, it all was taken from him when he began to follow Christ And again, he was shipwrecked and abused and beaten. And he counted all that rubbish compared to the surpassing joy of following Jesus. So you can see that this world, following Jesus in this world, he said, You may have tribulation, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Yes, God blesses us materially and spiritually. But he warns us in Luke twelve fifteen, beware of greed because a person's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So if you take this verse and you focus just on health and wealth, it really trivializes the profound truth and depth of what God of what Christ is saying. Well, back to my story, um, As I mentioned, that was a long time ago. I'm now a grandmother of five. Um, There's been a, a few miles put on this person here. But I have found through the ups and the downs of life that it is true. Jesus never fails. He is the rock, the faithful rock under your feet. Your friends, your family, those you love your investments, your dreams, they may all fail you in this life. But Jesus is the good shepherd. He lays down his life for you. Well, I have a few true confessions. One is that sometimes, you know, I just kind of merrily go on my way in my life and I kind of forget of the richness that Christ offers. And my heart begins to go after other things. And I can trust other things, or I can get up on the throne of my life and try to make things happen. And when that happens, usually I'm like, what am I doing? You know, the spiritual breathing, I do that. But also I have this image in my life, um, and it just keeps popping up, where I'm sitting outside on the street curb and it's freezing outside. And I'm trying to get life out of a dry crust of bread. And behind me on a hill is this house that is lit up. And there's a fire going on. There's laughter and music and a huge banquet that is set. And Jesus is just waiting there for me to come in and enjoy the richness of his fellowship. C.S. Lewis put it well. I love this quote. He wrote, We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Health and wealth are good things. I do believe God wants us to bless us wants to bless us. But if we seek and listen to this, if you seek to get your life from those external things, meaning your meaning, your purpose, your fulfillment, you're just making more mud pies. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. But it takes being willing to relinquish the mud pies, handing over your heart, your ambitions, your dreams, your aspirations to God. And then it's so much better. Breathe in the Holy Spirit. Breathe in that Zoe life. And trust that Jesus is a good shepherd and he will lead you into life eternal. Let us pray. Lord God, I thank you that you haven't left us alone here to try and figure out life. We confess that our hearts often go after that which just glitters before our eyes. Forgive us for that. Forgive us for not honoring you as our King and our Lord. We give you our lives once again, God. We pray your spirit would come in and take over. And we ask that you would show us all the richness of your glory that resides in you. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.